Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? We are here at Lincoln Financial Field, the site of the late Eagles' latest win, but for the first time, maybe not dominating win. Dominating, I guess, but I'm going to be official curmudgeon to this podcast because there are, in my opinion, there were a lot of red flags from this game today. And I don't think the 31-3 to final score, which, yes, was a 20-plus point win. I believe the fourth week in a row the Eagles have won by that amount. So they've been dominating, but I thought there were definitely some red flags today. Um, I'm Elliot Shoreparks. I'm here with Matt Lombardo. Of course, this is a No Huddle Show with the Instant Reaction Podcast. Um, so before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of this game, what, what are your initial takeaways and what's your overall feeling after this win that moves Eagles to 10 and one and guarantees that they will be in possession of the best record in the NFL for at least yet another week. And if the Cowboys lose on Thursday, they will be NFC's champions. Yeah, Elliot, I tweeted out in the first quarter when you had that sequence of events where LeGarrette Blunt fumbled after the big run and Malcolm Jenkins fumbled the interception back to the bears. I tweeted out that this is what playing down to your competition looks like. And a lot of people climbed in the mentions and took some shots and said, said, quote-unquote, this is what tweeting out a take too early looks like and all of those things. And listen, I don't think the Eagles were ever in any danger of losing this game. I mean, mm-hmm. let's think about it. The Bears didn't get a first down until 13.55 remaining in the third quarter. But as you said, this wasn't the dominant, complete performance that we might have expected coming into this game. But I do think a couple things were in play here. Number one, a little bit of a hangover effect from that win in Dallas where they just went down there, took care of business, blew him out on the road, in prime time on the biggest stage of the NFL. Number two, you had a Bears team coming in here that really didn't pose any sort of a threat outside of the running game, and the Bears wound up finishing with just, um, where's the total rushing yards here? Six total rushing yeah. yards. And they- so th- th- this wasn't a game where the Bears, even if the Eagles did play down to that level, the Bears were never talented enough to make the Eagles pay for it. Yeah, and that's what you saw today. I mean, obviously, huge discrepancy and huge difference between quarterback position. I mean, Mitch Trubisky Look, I mean, I know he's a rookie, but I didn't see Carson Wentz look that bad almost at all last year. I didn't see many signs from him. Um, the Bears are not a good football team. It just is what it is. But here's what I will say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a list to you. It's ten teams. You tell, me okay. what, what, you tell me what these ten teams have in common. Seattle, Miami, the New York Jets, Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers, the Eagles, Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Cincinnati. I'm going to say it has something to do with penalties, Elliot. Yeah, all right, you knew that because we were talking about Those are the top ten penalized teams in the NFL, and now I know the games are going on right now, so the list might change a little. But if you look at that list, I mean, obviously the clear outlier is the Eagles, who are 10-1, but the Bengals aren't really a playoff team. The Colts aren't a playoff team. The, uh, the Browns aren't a playoff team. Niners. 
The Bills are not. The Chiefs might be, but they're falling apart. Seattle's at the top. I mean, the Eagles might be the only team on that list that is really a bona fide playoff team. And it's an issue. Um, this team is penalized too much. And I know everybody, you know, I, I believe it was the Panthers game with Pete Morelli and about all those flags. And everyone was complaining, oh, the Eagles, blah, blah, blah. This is not a Pete Morelli problem. This is an Eagles problem. They get penalized a lot. It's an issue. On the year, they've been penalized 77 times. Today against the Bears, they were penalized 12 times. I mean, the Bears are not as good as the Eagles, but today they played a cleaner game. They turned it over less, and they, they were penalized less. They were penalized eight times. The Eagles penalized 12 times. The Bears turned it over once. The Eagles turned it over three times. So, But... In the grand scheme of things, they picked up eight first downs. And right, they no, only yeah. had six rushing yards. So I, I hear you that the Eagles were penalized. They shot themselves in the foot, and it wasn't perfect. Not every team is going to play a perfect game 16 weeks out of the year. And let's not forget, too, this was a bit of a sandwich game. In addition mm-hmm. to being the, the hangover effect from the Dallas game, you could tell afterwards these guys were looking ahead to L.A. and Seattle. I mean, Brandon Graham said, you know, this is our season. Our season comes down to these two games. Zach Ertz said that, you know, these next two games are the most important on the schedule if it comes down to making that road to the Super Bowl or that road through the postseason and getting a first-round bye much easier. So, I look, I did radio leading up to this game. I'm sure you were on some radio stations and TV doing some hits leading up to this game. And one of the things you had to guard against was looking past the Bears. And I don't think the Eagles did that, but I also think that – Rather than giving maybe a hundred percent focus on every rep in practice mm-hmm. and every you know minute of a meeting, I wouldn't blame this team if they gave seventy percent effort and seventy percent attention with everything that's coming. But forward. here's the difference: if Carson Wentz had five interceptions today, we could say, okay, that's an outlier; that doesn't yep. really happen. Yep. If they gave up two hundred yards rushing, we could say, well, the Bears are an okay rushing team, and obviously that didn't happen. The difference is the penalties are an issue. The penalties are an issue that has been an issue, and big in. in this season now the, now look I understand calling something an issue might be a bit of an over you know I might be being dramatic considering they won by 28 points or whatever it's reaction Sunday don't worry about well it. but no but the point <laughs> is if they're penalized 12 times against the Seahawks next week I, they they don't win that game correct in my opinion yep. they're, they're penalized 12 times against the Rams a team that I've been pretty clear in saying I don't believe in that being said they're beating the Saints right now we'll and see I've how been that pretty ends. clear in yeah, saying I think they're the second Biggest right. threat in the, in the conference, maybe yeah. their biggest threat. And I yeah. think the Falcons might be at this point. But regardless, that's yep. for another podcast. Regardless, if they're penalized 12 times in L.A. two Sundays from now, they're not winning that game. So the penalties are something that has to be cleaned up, in my opinion. And that, to me, look, the Bears aren't a good team. You were supposed to dominate them. And I'm not saying you had to play a perfect game. But I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm really impressed that they scored 31 points on the Bears. The run defense today, though, was very impressive. The Bears are a good running team. Eagles absolutely shut them down. Um, so that that was impressive. But to me, the biggest takeaway is, before we get into the turnovers, sure. what was the penalties? I, I, yeah, I mean, it, I, it was the penalties. So that now if you want to get into the turnovers, though. So they turned it over. Three fumbles, two by Blunt, one by Jenkins. Um, what do you think of that that today? I mean, that's uncharacteristic for this team. Yeah, I think that the Jenkins play was kind of a bang bang play. I think that he was trying to do too much. If you look at the tape and the interception, he rather than just going down, he was trying to turn that interception into a little bit of a home run. You saw him kind of run backwards and try to go east west in order to cut up field and maybe advance the ball, you know, more down the field. At that point, just go down. You know, mm-hmm. you're a veteran safety. Make the play, make the interception, just get down. Um, but I think that's a bang bang play. And look, Garrett Blunt. I don't know that he'd fumbled all year 
um, prior to that fumble. And, and running backs are going to put the ball on the carpet. It's just what happens, and especially when this team runs the ball as much as they have in recent weeks. But again, that was in that stretch in that first quarter where I thought that in a lot of ways, the Eagles were just playing down to the competition of the Bears. And luckily for them, Trubisky isn't ready to move an offense down the field. They're, they're right. too one-dimensional, and the Eagles are too good up front that you can take away their best dimension, which is their running game. And they didn't make the Eagles pay for the turnovers. But I'm with you, Elliot, that if you turn the ball over two times in short order like the Eagles did today against Seattle and certainly on the road against Los Angeles, those quarterbacks and those offenses, they aren't going to go three and out on you. So one of my another one of my takeaways from this game was, and I'm gonna start calling this like the Alshon special. Five catches, <laughs> fifty-two yards, one touchdown for Alshon. Just enough where you're like, all right, this guy, you know, he had a good game, but also not those dominating type numbers you see traditionally from like, you know, guys that have big games. But I thought Alshon played well today. Um he he caught five of the catches of the nine passes thrown his yep. way. I thought it was pretty clear from the jump that they wanted to uh they wanted to make sure that they got him involved against his former team. Yeah, first pass of the game, first snap of the game was yeah. an, an out pass to him along the sideline. So you could tell that they wanted to get him involved. And, and I thought he played really well. The one catch down the sideline with that over-the-shoulder catch that was, was a, a good true catch. elite number one yeah. receiver type of catch. He got the touchdown. And, and you just look at his production over the last several weeks. And, you know, we talked about this on the podcast after the, the, the Bronco game. We touched on uh-huh. it last week against Dallas. He's really been heating up. And I think that he He's, you know, in a lot of ways, playing himself into the Eagles being forced you think to him, sign him. Do you think him heating up is the result of just more reps together? Is it just the way the ball's going? Is it just how it's being played? I mean, why do you think he is really heating up? I, I think it's to the just, tune of 52 yards. Sure, well, I mean, it, it's not just the 52 <laughs> yards today. If you look back in his last four games, um, I'm trying to find it here because I wrote about it this afternoon. Um, I think afterwards, is it five touchdowns in yeah, the last? Five of his seven over the last seven games. Four and games. Four games. Rather. Five of the seven touchdowns over the last four games, and he's accounted for 17 catches, 265, and five scores. So I think it comes down to just more time with Carson Wentz, familiarity mm-hmm. in the offense. And let's just be honest about this. Through the first seven or eight games, in a lot of ways, he was a decoy. He was creating right. space underneath for Ertz. He was creating space over the middle for Al- for Nelson Aguilar. And they're throwing the ball more. They're targeting him more. And I think that the Eagles' passing game has expanded in terms of the ways that it can beat you down the field in part because of, of of Alshon Jeffrey and in part because Carson Wentz is getting more comfortable throwing the ball. Yeah, and another player who had a big game today, or coming off of a bad game against the Cowboys, Zach Gertz, you saw today, um, kind of reestablish himself as the dominant pass catcher in this offense. Ten catches today for 103 yards. They were really trying to get him those 100 yards at the end. They had him out there probably two or three series more than they wanted to. But they haven't had a 100-yard receiver this year. I don't know if that was in their mind. But I think, you know, obviously Ertz, he was at 98 yards. And he had that final catch for five. So he had a really big game today. Um, and that's big for the Eagles because, you know, he had that hamstring injury prior to, I guess it was the prior to the Broncos game. Didn't play against the Broncos. Had a week off. Only two catches against the Cowboys. Um, at the end of the day, if the Eagles are scoring 30-plus points, I guess you can argue, well, it doesn't matter how they're getting it. But Ertz is a guy that you want to con- that you want to keep having on the same page as Wentz. I mean, he was a huge part of this offense early on, and so for him to kind of rebound, have the 10 catches day for 100 the yards, I thought that was extremely encouraging. Yeah. And I'll ask you, Nelson Aguilar, I thought I was, I at least was very encouraged by what you saw, what I saw from day. What did you see from him? I think it's just par for the course, Elliot, with the rest of his season. I mean, he's thrived in the slot. He's really found a home in that role, and it's been an integral part of the Eagles' offense. And we mm-hmm. talked about back in August when they traded Jordan Matthews, how are they going to replicate that production? How are you going to replace what Jordan Matthews did in the slot 
And it's really turned into the Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar show. Yeah. And Ertz is probably a top three, maybe even top two tight end in the NFL. Aguilar is a dominant slot receiver with plenty of speed to win some matchups in that area of the field. And the Eagles are using him like it. So I'm encouraged by what you saw today. It was another touchdown. He showed off some athleticism by flipping over the defender into the end zone. And you and I talked about this a little bit in the press box, and I talked about it with some other reporters earlier in the day. I really think, Elliot, that now that you're seeing Alshon Jeffrey emerge as that true quote unquote number one receiver, we don't, I won't go so far as calling him elite, but right. he's kind of emerged in that quote unquote number one role with the Eagles. Yeah. It now makes this passing offense one of the more difficult to defend in the NFL because you have a red zone threat in Jeffrey, a red zone and 8-12 to 12 catch threat every game in Zach Ertz, and you have a guy in the middle of the field in Nelson Aguilar that you have to pay attention to with either a cornerback and or a safety. So it, it's a very multifaceted passing attack with arguably the number one or number two quarterback in the NFL. That's really tough for any opposing defensive and, coordinator I mean, to defend. And what helps it, you saw today, was they're able to run the ball. I mean, 33 times today for 176 yards. LeGarrette Blunt, yes, he had the two fumbles, but he also carried the ball 15 times for 97 yards. Uh, Wentz had 29 of those yards. Jay Ajayi, not a great game for him today, in my opinion. Five carries, 26 yards, but he had 30 of those on the one run. And a fumble. And, well, yeah, as I was going to say, and that run ended with the fumble. Um, Not good. I mean, you know, I, he had an okay game against the Cowboys. I know he had that 71-yarder. But uh, he's been a little bit of a home run hitter at this point, hit or miss, and he had the fumble today. Also had the drop pass in the first half that went right to him. I know the Eagles thought they could use him as a pass catcher in this offense, but through three games he has one catch for one yard. Yeah, so and he, he had a drop today along the sideline on a, mm-hmm. a, a pass in the flat that he probably should have caught. Right. And you know what? He's added an element to this offense. You saw the big run against the Cowboys. You saw the big run leading up to the fumble today. But – if you're counting on Jay Ajayi to be this team's number one running back, it might be a fool's errand. For this I mean, season. For I this mean, I season, think next sure. Year. But next year, I, does he give you enough long-term next year? With, well, with I think the this, te- I think this team is committed This team is committed to a running back by committee. I mean, you didn't see that as much today because of the, let's see, 20, 20, like 24 carries the running backs got. LeGarrette Blunt got 15 of them, so he kind of was the workhorse today. For but, right around 100, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 97 yards, yep. right. So... Um, I mean, he was kind of the workhorse today. I think that's not what you're going to see traditionally. I think they're going to do a running back by committee. But every, you know, every week when I ask for bold predictions, everyone says, "All right, JJ is going to break out. JJ is going to break out." He didn't do it today, so um, not not a great day, not a great day for him. Before we move on to talking about the celebrations, um, the defense obviously dominant today. Yep. The you touched on it a little bit, but the Bears ran it 14 times for six yards. They were the fifth best rushing defense coming into the game. They Mid- were in negative territory in rushing yards through the third quarter. So yeah. They were not able to run the ball despite Jordan Howard being a guy who consistently puts up 100-yard performances. Mitch Trubisky, 17-33, 147 yards, two interceptions. Like I said, he looked really bad. He looked worse than Wentz did it at any point last year, in my opinion. So let me ask you this. Is this Eagles defense that's been downright dominant, are they the result of playing bad competition? Or do you think, I mean, the only good quarterback, let's see, the good, good quarterbacks they face this Cam. year. Cam, I don't think you could say Alex Smith anymore. At the I mean, time, he was hot. Yeah, he at was. At the time, you can say. That, I mean, it was only week two, but at the time, you could say he was one of the top Dak, five in the league. Debatable. Right. I mean, so I guess my question is: Is this a defense you think going into Seattle and going into LA 
are they going to be able to dominate? I don't want to say like this because holding teams to three points in the NFL, and like you mentioned, didn't have a first down until like the third or fourth quarter. That's not going to happen very often. But are there, is there reasons you think to be concerned about the fact that this defense hasn't really been tested against elite competition this I, year? I, I don't think – two things. One – I don't think it's a negative to say that they haven't been tested because I don't think that they have. Outside of Cam Newton, outside of Alex Smith, they have not faced truly elite quarterback play. And there's not a ton of elite quarterbacks right. in general. But Just, you're, yeah. you're going to be facing Russell Wilson. You're going to be facing Jared Goff. Matt you're Ryan, You're going to be facing um, Derek Carr right. in, in three out of your next four games. And listen, I, I think that they, on merit, have done a really nice job. Uh-huh. But if you're going to tell me that they're the sixth-rated scoring defense and sixth-rated overall defense, I think part of that comes into play because of the competition they faced. I mean, you look at the fact that they played Brock Osweiler. They mm-hmm. played Dak Prescott in his first game without Ezekiel Elliott, and we saw what happened on Thanksgiving Day with, with Dak Prescott right. and the Chargers. You look at the fact that they played uh, the 49ers, who were starting um, C.J. Bathard at that point. I mean, you're talking about rookie quarterbacks. You're talking about journeyman quarterbacks. They have not faced elite competition at that position. They're going to get elite quarterbacks the next two weeks. Seattle doesn't really have anything outside of Russell Wilson, but the Rams, when you look at Goff, when you look at Gurley, you look at Sammy Watkins, that's a multifaceted offensive attack. And much like I think we're going to find out everything we didn't, we need to know about how good this team is over the next two games, this defense is going to show you whether or not it's been a mirage, which I don't think it's quite been a mirage, but I don't think it's been tested up until this point. It will be tested, and we'll find out a lot about this defense over the next two games. And the thing I always say is, you know, I know you tweeted about it earlier this week, and people weren't very happy about it, but talking about the strength of schedule, um, you can only play who's there. So it's not a criticism to say the Eagles are beating up on bad teams. That's exactly what you want to see. I mean, maybe you can make the argument today they played down to their competition a little bit, and I do believe the penalties are an issue, but the Eagles are dominating. They're dominating every week, so it's not like we're talking about they're 10-1 and and they've squeaked out wins over bad teams. They've done everything they can to to show you that they are one of the best teams in the NFL. Now, we'll see how they do against the Seahawks. And the Rams, and if they lose both those games, yeah, absolutely. Then I think what you expect from them can play off time, and what you think is realistic changes. But as of now, they can only play who's there. And with that said, as much as I think that for about a quarter they might have played down to the level of their competition, they won the game thirty-one to three and kept the Bears without a first down until the third quarter. So they they. They stepped up just Mm -hmm. like they stepped up in the second half against the Niners. Remember, that was a real ugly game for uh, just about the whole first half. They stepped up today. And strength of schedule in a lot of ways is just a metric. And I, Uh I, I don't know why people get so offended by the point of, you know, the record of their opponents isn't the at the caliber of what, say, the Saints have played or some other teams in the NFL have played. But the Eagles' schedule and this stretch is going to get a lot tougher, and we're going to find out what they are. They're the best team in football right now. They have the best record in football right now. You can make a case that they've been the most dominant team in football up till right now, but they haven't truly been tested. Both of those things, Elliot, can be true at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think Carolina was a test. I, I think, agree. And the Chiefs, even though they lost it, I think was a good test. So I think when the Eagles have been tested this year, they've stepped up to it. Um, I asked players in the locker room, I asked Malcolm Jenkins actually specifically about it, and he said, look, like we have seven days to prepare for the Seattle. We'll, we'll lean on leadership. And he said, but there's no denying we're going into tough places to play. So it'll be really interesting to see how they, how they uh, react to that. But another quick takeaway um, I want to talk about is we talked about it throughout the week coming up, it was kind of the real big story with this team, um, which really, you know, points the fact they're 10-1, was the kicker. Uh, Jake Elliott was potentially not going to play today because of a concussion. He does end up suiting up. He makes four fe- all four of his extra points. He makes his field goal. And 
look, I know it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but it's a big deal going into Seattle and L.A. where, where points are going to be at a, pre, uh, at a premium. I mean, it's going to be close games in theory, you would think, where field goal field goals, extra points are really going to matter. So I thought it was encouraging to see Jake Elliott do that today and bounce back from not only his concussion, but from a rough stretch in a lot of ways. Um, so let me ask you this, and I, I already told you my take, but the celebrations. A um, lot of them today. They yep. had the, the celebration in the end zone where they pretended to take a picture. They had the bowling alley celebration. Um, then they had the defense was doing the electric slide. They did it, got called Twice. back, and they do it again. So, look, I'm not trying to be a curmudgeon here. Like, I enjoy watching it. It is fun and all that stuff. But I'm going to read Doug Peterson's quote about it um, after the game, and then I'll give you my take. Okay. Doug said, they need to hurry up and get off the field before we get a penalty. I think it's great that they show excitement, enthusiasm. They're doing it with their teammates. It's not about one guy. It's fun to see on Monday, not so much on a Sunday afternoon. I completely agree. Like, I remember, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of two years, maybe two or three years ago, when the Carolina Panthers were really good. I think they went 14-2 and or 15-1 and or something like that. Go to the Super Bowl, and they lost. But obviously, it was a very successful year. I remember watching that team, and Cam Newton was running up and down the sideline, waving to fans during the game. They were taking the photos on the sideline during the game. Look, if if I'm another team, I understand like I have to stop the Eagles, stop them from celebrating. So I get to a certain extent, like if I'm the Bears, there's nothing I can do to stop the Eagles because I'm losing 31 to three, and I've clearly been outclassed. But I think the celebrations are just getting just a little bit over the top because I, I I think look, I mean they're still playing a game. There's going to be close games. I just think to a certain point, there's a difference between having fun. There's a difference between rubbing it in the face of your opponent. And for the first time all season today, I thought that it felt more like rubbing it in the face of their opponent yep. and and showboating than it did just like good natured fun in the end zone. Well, two two well three things here actually. Number one. Every team is doing this now with the choreographed celebrations. Right. Like the Eagles are choreographing this stuff well. And I think advanced. that makes similar, it not as bad. Yeah, I will similar agree with that. to you look at the Vikings on, on Thanksgiving and it was a touchdown pass. I forget who caught it. And everybody sat around like it was a Thanksgiving meal and they were passing around side dishes right. and all that. That's funny. It's creative. Um, number two, I think that Doug is right to be a little bit annoyed by this because especially the second time they did the electric slide, they actually threw the ball up in the air and went into the field to play they as they were go going out to, you know, the Eagles offense was out there to kneel on the ball. And, and I know it's the end of the game and the competitive aspect of it was over, but you could have thrown a 15-yard penalty there. Uh-huh. And, and the refs probably should have thrown a flag for the ball being thrown back onto the field to play. That, that's kind of getting a little bit out of control. Right. And number three, we've seen fights break out in the NFL over much less than rubbing it in the nose of an opponent. And I think the Eagles have been good-natured. I think it just kind of falls in line with what the rest of the NFL is doing. But if somebody from the Bears went over and took a shot at the Eagles' defensive backfield for— Would you have you blamed know, them? No, I, I'm, right. I'm just saying I wouldn't yeah. have blamed them. Right. Just like if, 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 let's say, Fletcher Cox or Tim Jernigan or Nigel Bradham did the same thing to— a running back for the Bears, uh-huh. Jordan Howard. I wouldn't have blamed him. Today, you had in, in a much more innocuous celebration up at MetLife. You had Cam Newton doing the Superman routine he always does, and Jamal right. Adams went up and, and threw a little away. elbow right. at him. I mean, th- this is, if there was ever a reason, and I get it, it shouldn't be the no-fun league. They should be allowed to celebrate. If there was ever a reason for the rule against these sort of team celebrations, I think we're approaching that tipping point where we saw why it was there. Because players are going to get pissed off, players are going to feel disrespected, and all it takes is one melee for this thing to really look ugly pretty quickly. And here's what I'll say to Eagles fans that are probably going to tweet us and leave in the comments, which I hope you guys leave comments, five-star reviews. But they're going to say, oh, well, we're just, you know, we're just being curmudgeon. 
Imagine, Eagles fans, how you would feel if the Bears were up 31-3 and they were doing the electric slide eight or nine players deep out on the field. And throwing the ball play. on the field. Right. I mean, so just imagine how, how Eagles fans would feel about that. If I'm covering the Bears right now, I'm writing, this team, Eagles team, flat out disrespected you. I know the Eagles are doing it in a good-natured way, and I think from being around in the locker room, we can say that the I don't think they were doing it to try to slight the Bears. I think it was more about them than it was the Bears. But I do think it was disrespectful. So I just think it's something just to keep an eye on. I just think like it's just getting a, a little out of control. Yep. And I, I feel like... Uh, I feel like it's something that going forward, if I'm Doug, based off that comment, it sounds like Doug agrees and it sounds like he's going to talk to them. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see them start to tone it down a little bit. And, and one more thing on this. I think that teams handle success in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles have, for the most part, look, they're 10-1. and And they haven't had a letdown. And even when they've struggled for stretches of a game, they've always overcome and they've always won the game. But But – Part of how you carry yourself when you're winning like this, I think, defines you as a team. And if yeah. you want to draw the comparison to Cam Newton and that Panther team when they got blown out in the Super Bowl by the Broncos, Cam Newton and the pa- and the Panthers didn't handle success very well that year. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly Cam didn't handle the failure of that Super Bowl loss very well. And I'm not saying that if the Eagles reach that point, it's because of the celebrations that they lost or because they didn't handle it well and all that. But it's just something to keep an eye on. It's one of those deals where you kind of act like you've been there before. Right. And there's a fine line to walk between having fun and disrespecting an opponent. I agree. So now everyone flutter mentioned saying we don't know how to have fun. And you can find us at <laughs> at Mount Lombardo PHL on Twitter. Bring the heat. There we go. All right. Speaking of heat, so we're going to wrap this up, but on Tuesday we're going to have our uh, our hot take pod. So everyone, please tweet us at, at the well, – no, sorry, use the hashtag the no huddle show. So hashtag the no huddle show or email us at the no huddle show at nj.com. We try to read every single one that you guys send. So let us know what you think of the celebrations. Let us know what you think of the turnovers, the penalties. And let me – before we wrap this up, the last thing I'll say is this. It is crazy to think – for a team that hasn't won a playoff game since 2008, hasn't been in the playoffs since 2013, they just won a game 31 to three. They're 10 and one, and we're pointing out the the, the shortcomings. So I think and it speaks to yeah. how good they are yeah. and how quickly everyone's become used to the fact that they they just win every single week. And one more thing, by the time they get on the plane on Friday afternoon or Saturday morning could to be go to Seattle, champs. they could be passing out hats and t-shirts because uh-huh. as long as the Cowboys lose to the Redskins on Thursday night, Eagles are division champs and the site's That's then in Dallas, set, right? Yes. It right. gets set on the bye and they get set on home field advantage. And either way, Cowboys win or lose, Eagles beat the Seahawks they next clinch. week. They clinch. They beat the Rams the week yeah. after. Even if they lose to the Seahawks, they clinch. So I think there's a very good chance next time the Eagles play at home, which will be Chris Christmas night, they're NFC champs. NFC East. NFC East. Yep. NFC East. Yeah, yep. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. If you have not, please subscribe. We appreciate that as well. And Matt, I will talk to you on Tuesday. Talk to you Tuesday.